0: Welcome to the Clear the Shelf Podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Rasick hey guys i wanted to let you know before we get into this episode that we had a couple of uninvited guests during this episode they happen to be my dogs my dogs absolutely go bananas when someone delivers a package to the door or the postman comes to the door and drops off the mail and that happened not once but at least twice during this episode i wanted to apologize ahead of time because you are going to hear some barking which is unusual and we'll try to make sure that it doesn't happen often Uh, but it was just one of those things that we could not avoid during the taping of this episode so i apologize in advance however there are some really great points in this episode that i think you'll enjoy even if my dogs uh, ruin a couple of seconds of the podcast. So enjoy, have a great time, and I'll see you in the next episode. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to this week's episode of the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris. Uh, We're recording a little bit uh, later than usual, and this is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode than usual because, uh, well, it's a busy week uh, here in the Grant household. We've got the OA Challenge coming up. Uh, We just got back from um an interesting vacation at the at the beach and um and so we're gonna but we wanted to make sure that we get this out and get this in your ears uh so that we don't miss any episodes or any weeks for you guys so chris what's going on man i, I again i appreciate you being uh working around my schedule here and uh, and uh, recording with me on an unusual day but uh, how you been man i've been good not nearly as busy as you have but uh but i've been good uh, weeks going well. How did, uh, how did the sourcing challenge go amid the, the tropical storm? So it was, it was interesting, and I, I, I got a few people upset because I missed Saturday night. Uh, but this time around, we didn't really say what the prizes would be uh, as well as we did last time. Last time, we had a, we had a financial backer that made it uh, much more appealing Uh, But this time around, the prizes were a little bit more, um, they weren't lackluster, but they were a little more down to earth. It was $500 for the winner and $250 for second place, um, which, I mean, nothing to sneeze at. So, but there were fewer, fewer people who submitted leads this time. However, there was an interesting thing that happened this time and last time. The winners were all kind of high dollar, high ticket items that were selling on Amazon. Uh, and kind of the cool thing is is it obviously if you were gonna go buy those, you know, in real life to actually flip, it would probably be a little scary because you're dropping two, three, four hundred dollars per unit. Uh, but the profit was massive. One of them was a profit of around $150 each. And by my estimate, you could probably sell 10 or 15 or maybe more every single month. Uh, so I, I think there's probably a lot of opportunity that is slept on, uh, especially for people who are willing to kind of take a little bit more risk on a on a single unit item.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, the nice thing about the big ticket items is, you know, it sure makes the the numbers look better a lot faster.
0: <laughs> oh, know? yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not too hard to sell 30, 50 or 100,000 when everything you're selling is Three hundred dollars and up, yeah, and it makes small and light look like the redheaded stepchild, right? <laughs> so, uh, this week we're going to be talking about medicating your pain points, and uh, this, Chris, what I guess what do we mean by medicating your pain points? Well, it's
1: it's a basic look at things, you know, and and a lot of this is going to seem. Simple when we go through it, but I, there's something to it because the more you more you talk to people, the simple solution seems to be the best solution. Um, and we're going to cover various topics, but it, it, essentially, it what I mean by that and what we mean is uh, get help when you need help or change the parts of your business that slow you down. You know, and, and it's I, I've been I try to take a a, a real stark look at my business. And, and I'm always talking about being honest with myself. Um, and there are certain parts of this that I simply don't enjoy, you know, and and if I wasn't being honest with myself, I wouldn't realize that because I don't enjoy it, I don't get to it as soon as I should, or I put it off, you know, and, and you just don't want to do things that, that you don't like. So mm-hmm. I started kind of digging in to solutions, how i can you know most of the time it's outsourcing you know or finding somebody else um not necessarily outsourcing but you know it could be an accountability partner you know saying hey i want to you know i want to do this much by this period of time and then you know you, you say it out loud to someone whether it be a mastermind group and and you know you're held accountable and and it helps you know the the mastermind group that we we had that we have present tense um You know, we always set goals every single week and then we go through them the following week. Like, how'd you do? And, and, you know, there's something to you having to publicly proclaim whether you hit it or whether you missed it, you know, and we're not judging, but it's, you know, if I have to say out loud, like, no, I didn't, I didn't hit my goal. It provides extra motivation, you know, and, and then Mm -hmm. it's, that's accountability right there. So but uh, and then, you know, a lot of stuff is, is outsourcing. You know, we, we talked a little bit about um, tools and, and, you know, the, the, the starter kit, the Amazon seller starter kit with, with Chris Anderson last week. Um, there's a whole bunch of tools out there, you know, and and but the point that we were getting at last week was it's, it's important to know what they do and, and why and how they're going to help you. You know, it's, it's not a matter of just going out and getting stuff and paying monthly subscriptions for or annual subscriptions for things. You know, you need to know what they are. Um, preferably, you'll have done them so you know the process yourself. Uh, and then once you outsource it, you know, you can take that off your plate and, and move on to, uh, uh, you know, either things that are more profitable or, or you know, just elsewhere, you you know, make you more efficient if you outsource it. So, so that's what I mean by medicating the pain points is simply just take your medicine, you know, don't struggle. Don't, don't be frustrated unnecessarily Um, just get help. So this this is going to be a basic conversation, but it's going to be a whole lot of uh, important stuff and and probably a lot of topics and, and a lot of simple advice that, people out there need to be listening to. And, and if they did, if they do listen to it, it, it'll help immensely.
0: Yeah, I I agree. You know, one of the things, one of the things my grandfather always said is, and at the time I thought this was brilliant, but as I look back at it, I realized that it was really not a a good way to, to run the business. And, and he's always like, you know, I'm, I'm the chief cook and the bottle washer. So he, you know, meaning he was in charge of everything, but he also had to be down in the trenches all the time uh, or the business would fall apart. And I think that we probably, a lot of us, are that way now. We are the chief cook and bottle washer in our Amazon businesses. And that's not a bad thing. Sometimes that's what you have to do. But because we're so entrenched in making sure that everything is done account health, cash flow, bookkeeping, you know, and all these other things that we're going to touch on. I think we tend to miss the forest for the trees and these simple answers or simple solutions like you said really do go a long way and we may just not think about them because even though the problem's staring us in the face, we can't see it. So, I think I think this is going to be a fun a fun little episode. Uh, and I think maybe we should start off with one of the first things. And this is, this is a problem that not only do tenured sellers have this issue because eventually you get to a point where you don't have enough capital, but new sellers also tend to have this issue. They, they want to start selling on Amazon. They, you know, whether this is a side hustle or this is something they, you know, they absolutely have to make work, uh, but capital can be tough to come by if, you know, uh, if you're working a, a nine to five or a part time job and this is your side hustle, where do I get that that starting cash and or where do I go as I get larger and I'm I'm able to outspend what I have available to me? Uh, so I'm curious to hear what some of your thoughts are. And then I've got a I've got a few ideas as well. Well,
1: it's it's uh, there's a bit of a balancing act um, because your ambition is usually uh, more than your capital <laughs> when you're first getting started. Um, I uh, I started at zero dollars. Actually, um, I had uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I, there was a challenge uh, that I was reading along with uh, on one of the blogs that I started reading, and it was uh, they took somebody that that wasn't involved in the Amazon business at all. He was like an IT guy or something like that, and they made him start with five things around the house. And, and the, the title of it was zero to a thousand dollars in 30 days.
0: This sounds like a Ryan Grant, uh, blog. That's that's exactly
1: who it was online selling experiment. Yeah. He, he took one of his, yeah, one of his it guys or something. And and he did a weekly every Friday, uh, he would post an update blog post. And, uh, you know, the rule was, was five things that you already own around your house, preferably in different categories. And, um, uh, and you sell them either on eBay or um, Facebook Marketplace was the preferred place because then you, know, you could do a meetup and there's no shipping cost and you don't have to get involved in any of that right from the jump. And, uh, and then you just flip it and you take the money that from those five things once they sell and you, you go buy something else and, and you, you, know, you just kind of keep turning it over like that. And, and the goal was to get to $1,000 in 30 days. And he did. Um, and so did I as I followed along. Um, nice. you know, my first item was, was an old cell phone my wife's old cell phone. I put it on Facebook marketplace, sold it for $90 and it had been sitting around for years. And, uh, and then I took the $90 and went to Goodwill and, you know, bought anything Nike dry fit that I could find or, or you know, Ralph Lauren, brands that I knew that, that mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, at least a little bit premium and started flipping that way. And, and, uh, You know, eventually I I pumped in a little bit of money into uh, my business myself because I had saved up from other ventures. But it was fun. You know, there's an excitement to it, Um, you know, and and selling that stuff and flipping, especially at, you know, zero dollars and then, you know, rolling that profit in. It's there's there's an excitement to uh, to e-commerce, you know, no matter what platform you're looking on, whether it be a sale on Amazon or a sale on eBay um, or even Facebook Marketplace. Uh, Mm -hmm. craigslist wherever um so that's that's the easy way to go it's not um it's not the fastest way (laughs) you know but uh you know i was talking to um i was at a discount store over the weekend and i I rolled up i actually made two purchases i had to buy uh, a couple air conditioners uh, for the house so that was my my personal uh shopping expenditure so i ran those out to the car and then i came back and ended up loading up my cart uh, with a few hundred dollars worth of stuff. And I ended up getting the same cashier and she saw me and I'm carrying, you know, 24 packages of fix-a-dent, you know? <laughs> and so she said, Oh, are you an Amazon seller? And I said, yeah. And, and so she had all these questions, you know, she was, she wanted to get into it and she had been watching, she's watched YouTube a lot and, and, you know, she knew, she knew some terms and, and, you know, I could tell she was, she was a little bit versed in it already. And so she had done a bit of research and, but at one point in time, she said, you know, she says, Hey, I have, that's not a problem. I, I have $20,000 for this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I was a little bit hesitant. You know, I, I I said, let, I said, just make sure you take it slow. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel like, uh, there are a whole lot of mistakes and, and, you know, bad advice, uh, that, that you could take that, that could make that $20,000 disappear pretty quick you know it's i mean maybe it's because the way it's the way i did it but kind of easing into it and rolling it and probably i mean she said she had a yeah obviously she had a full-time job and so she said her bills were paid so i said that's all the more reason to not rush you know just Mm kind of get your reps in um you know but keep that keep that money in case you need it you know you know you have you'll have a, a extra capital to to infuse when you're ready you know but uh I don't know. I was a little bit cautious when she said that. That's
0: something when someone like that says, you know, I've got $20,000 or something like that put away, I can start this business with the first thing I always think is I really hope you didn't watch some, you know, person who says private label and ordering a a container worth of cargo is, is the way to start your business. Right? Exactly. Uh, And, I mean that's that's exactly why I, I like the arbitrage model so much, as you can take that series of small bets on yourself. Uh, yep. You know, a follow up to that, selling some stuff around the house. I think, I think that it's it's not really talked about enough, and because I'm just, I while you were talking about what you did, I was just kind of inventorying my own home in my mind, and you know, there's uh, there's an iPad or two that are not being used anymore. Uh, I know that I have, uh, I don't, I don't shoot very often, but occasionally I like to go out and, and shoot things, uh, you know, target stuff like that. So, but I have a, a fairly high end rifle scope that's sitting out in my garage that I don't use, uh, that I could probably, probably get several hundred dollars for uh and i know i've got some old cell phones and then the the other thing is, is now don't go take advantage of any any family but uh my grandfather my dad they tend to be electronics pack rats uh and and what i mean by that is my grandfather very well may have a nokia phone in some junk drawer somewhere uh you know oh well it still I, works i might need that you you never know <laughs> i might need that uh but if you could ask family members, hey, are you getting rid of anything? Are you donating anything? Could I take that off your hands? And if I sell it, could I give you a portion of it? If not, I'll donate it for you so you don't have to go to Goodwill. Uh, and then the other thing is, like if I had to start over today and I had no money, no connections or anything, I think the first thing I would probably do is hit up Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist and FreeCycle and try to find things like furniture or weights or uh, things like that. Fix them up, clean the dirt off of them, uh, and flip them right back onto the same marketplace that I picked them up on. Uh, may not be the fastest thing. Definitely, probably not the most. Um, I mean, you got to put some elbow grease into it. You know, not the most glamorous, sure. but you could make some serious money. And if you have any skill, any mechanical skills. You could pick up things like washers and dryers that are broken and throw a $5 part on them and, and fix those up and sell them. Uh, actually, when we, were, when we flipped a couple of storage units, the washers and dryers were really the only thing I ever made money on. Everything else was pretty much garbage. Uh, so there'd be, there'd be some, some money doing that. But yeah maybe that's not the way you want to go and maybe you want to get going a little bit faster there there are other places you could get capital now uh let's talk about the ones that i would not recommend first and then we could go down and and talk about the ones that might be a little bit more recommended so number one friends and family uh you know i have i will admit that i have borrowed money to start businesses in the past Uh, i've always been able to pay it back but there was one time when i didn't have a lot of money that I borrowed $5,000 to buy a liquidation, a whole truck of liquidation. And I got $1,500 for it. And that hurt, Mm. that hurt bad. You know, I ended up having to pay that back. Uh, So the problem with owing friends and family is a couple of things happen. One, there either becomes bad blood, or two, uh, you get a business partner that you didn't want. You know, and and so I, I really would recommend not getting friends and family involved, you know, unless maybe unless they were like a, a very high level investor and they, you know, they knew that okay, well, we could, we might be just lighting this money on fire, and you know, that kind of thing. But the other the other thing is is loan sharks, and I know a lot of people are going to probably chuckle at that, you know, but we know more than one person who has essentially used a loan shark and you could call it private money or, you know, whatever you want, but there's a, there's a point when it becomes sharking, uh, you know, when it's like a 20 or 25% interest rate, uh, and things like that. And, um, I would not suggest this for a couple of reasons. Number one, business, any business is risky. Uh, But two, you don't necessarily want someone who is going to invest in your business who, I don't know, their way to get a collection is either a baseball bat or, you know, some screws to the thumbs or something like that. I just I don't know. I don't want that kind of pressure on myself if I'm trying to grow a business, but also looking over my shoulder because the payment is one day late uh, and I'm getting some, you know, some phone calls that are just heavy breathing and then hanging up. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, are there any other routes that you might take to acquire capital or, or use capital in your in your business uh, that I don't recommend? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, are there any that you don't recommend? Um,
1: certainly, I wouldn't look at payday loans. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that's. Uh, it's a bit uh, predatory, you know, and any any industry where they, they took the APR from 300% down to uh, capping it at, at, you know, 35 or 29 or whatever. Um, they Probably best to stay away from, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, friends and family. Yeah, the friends and family and the loan sharks. And sometimes you get a combination of the two. Sometimes you get a family member that wants to charge you 25%. So that's the the double whammy. Oh, yeah, um, that might be based on a true story too. but was trying I was trying to flip a house and and yeah, the interest rate from a family member came back at twenty five percent. Oof
0: you wouldn't even get that you wouldn't get that rate from a hard money lender. Uh, those are usually <laughs> like twelve percent. Uh, you know now, now here's the interesting thing. we We bring up you know friends and family, we bring up loan sharks, you know, but the people who have used those in the past, and, you know, we'll, we'll save names to, to protect the innocent. But uh, they were able to make money even at those kind of, of interest rates. So that is kind of the cool thing about Amazon is you can run so lean and you can churn inventory so fast that you actually can be profitable on top of what can be a predatory interest rate. But again, you're, I think, I think you're making things harder than you necessarily have to by going those particular routes uh, or at least taking on a whole lot more risk than I'm comfortable with now. Maybe if I were 21 again, uh, I might be a little bit more comfortable with that kind of risk, uh, you know, but getting into of my you'd, middle you'd age. you have more time year, to, to let your thumbs heal too, if anything went wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, now there are other forms of capital that I think are, are absolute gold mines. Uh, so credit cards, you know, if, if it's available to you, credit cards can be absolutely incredible. It can give you a little bit of a, uh, of a float, you know, for 30 days or uh, what is it? Is it American Express Plum that does 60 days on the float? Mm -hmm. Okay. So so. there you've got a a 60 day float before you have to pay it off. Uh, Plus you can get things like cash back and you can get things uh, like airline miles or travel miles. So I know that even though I was on vacation this past weekend, I did a little bit of sourcing, and my Bank of America Unlimited Cash Back Credit Card they they report cash back really quickly, like before items ship or anything like that. So just from that this weekend, I I looked and I made sixty five dollars in cash back on that credit card from what I sourced over the weekend. And it doesn't sound like a lot, you know, but if you do that every couple of days, that's gonna it's going to end up being a nice little chunk of change. Uh, and it's check with your CPA, but it's it's tax free as far as I understand, as far as I read it, uh, because it's considered a rebate. Um, now, you do have to be careful with credit cards because you can get in over your head and you, know, you don't want to just be making the minimum payments because then the interest is going to absolutely crush you. Uh, but if you're making smart sourcing decision, credit cards are an app. Next up, let's talk about business loans a little bit. Uh, now, Chris, I know that I think you've talked, uh, you've either talked about going down the path of getting business loans or you've at least talked to your banker or something like that. How was that process? What do you, what do you think about those kind of, of loans to get going?
1: I, uh, he- my business banker initially told me when I opened up my business checking account, he told me about him, but I wasn't really paying attention at the time. Um, but I went in and opened a couple more business accounts and that was, you know, probably two years into, uh, my, my selling career. And, uh, he told me about it again. And when he, when he explained this is, this one is through the small business association SBA. Um, I couldn't figure out a reason not to apply for this. I mean, there was nothing bad about it. I'm actually, I, I'm currently approved. I'm, I'm in the process of uh, getting the, the final approval and, and actually funding it. So I am still in, uh, in the process of it, but it's been fairly simple. You know, it, it's, um, uh, you know, there they were I don't know, maybe 10 pages of paperwork once I got an, an initial approval, um, but they're basically just looking at, at sales. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, they were willing to give me 20% of my annual sales from the previous year. So it's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was, when he first told me about it, you know, the 20% of, uh, you know, a a couple grand when I first started, wasn't, uh, (laughs) wasn't even worth the 10 pages of paperwork, but you know, looking at it again, once he ran the numbers and gave me the pre-approval, yeah, this, it, it just, it made nothing but, but sense to me, you know, and, and it's, uh, Prime, it's going to be prime plus a few, you know, which, uh, you know, I think the Amazon loans are are going to be right around probably 10% is Mm -hmm. is what I typically see. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this one, this is going to be, I think it was prime plus two, somewhere around there, which, and prime's at three and a half right now. So, so it's going to be five and a half percent. Um, It's, it's interest only payments. So I can pay as little or as much as I, I want to. It gives me the flexibility for you know, the, the fluctuations and in, in the amount of revenue that's coming into the business
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and the, the cycle, you know, that, that it takes to, to get paid. So, um, you know, the way I'm looking at it is I, I, you know, I have a few business credit cards, you know, but I could kind of, they're almost like mini balance transfers, you know, I can, I can essentially, and it's a line of credit, so it's, it's revolving. Oh, nice. You know, I,
0: I can keep reusing it. Yeah. Um, it's a 10 Will year they... period okay will they reassess how much that line of credit is as as you grow uh it's a it's a 10-year draw period i yeah i
1: can reapply at any time um Mm -hmm. you know my big question was what what happens after the the revolving period stops because typically on on home equity lines of credit there's a draw period and then it usually converts to a fully amortized loan on the back end and and typically they're you know, they, they're they're kind of shorter terms you know it's probably 10 or 15 years typically uh, with home equity so what I didn't want to happen is get caught at the end of the revolving cycle and have you know be almost maxed out on the line and then have that convert to something with a mm-hmm. you know five-year term or something crazy like that you know that might put a hitch in my giddy up but uh, mm-hmm. but now he said they're he, they're currently running a 10-year draw period he said typically they're about seven years but Lately, for, for whatever reason, they've been a 10-year draw. And then after the 10 years, usually he said they renew. As long as everything is in good standing, they'll renew it for another 10 years. So there, isn't any, there wasn't any forced repayment, you know, unless uh, probably if you default. But, uh, but yeah, and he said, and then at that time, you can, you know, the numbers will be different, I'm sure. And, and he said, you know, we could reassess it and, uh, you know, try to adjust it up
0: from there. As the business grows, that's awesome. So it's really a great product. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. My opinion would be that's probably not the way to go as someone just getting started. Right. It's more more important to validate the business model, you know, take those small bets. Uh, but I think that's fantastic. You know, as you get to a point where you want to, you really want to scale the business up. Uh, mm-hmm. now there are, there are other options. You mentioned one, Amazon loans. I know a lot of people love Amazon loans. Uh, I've had, I've had two Amazon loans. Uh, usually I, usually I decline them, but I've, I have taken two of them and they were incredibly helpful. Uh, and it's kind of nice that, you know, the loans are basically secured by uh, your inventory and your future sales and, and things like that. Um, I don't know, some people get a little frustrated with how much the interest rates might be on those. Uh, you know. But overall, it's, it's really not that much money if you decide to take an Amazon loan. Um, but then there are some other options out there for Amazon sellers. So there's one I would not recommend, which is payability. I think their interest rates and the way that their fees are, it's probably a little bit predatory. Uh, and I don't know if everyone understands all the fees and things like that that are built in to the the product that they have, but then there are others out there that I think people should know about, but i don't I have not done the research to to say yes or no on these but there's things like accrue me uh, and there's one other one out there that's very similar where they actually lend you money but they take an equity stake in your business and right from the right from the get go I don't care for the equity stake. Uh, I, you know, it worries me that, you know, I don't know, I've got it, how long do I have to give them that? Is there a way to buy it out? Is, you know, if I pay back the loan, are they, are they out of it? You know, those kind of things worry me. I'd have to look really deep into those kind of things. But I also just don't want anybody ever to be able to come to me and say, you know what, we've got an equity stake, so we've got a little bit of a say, and here's kind of the direction that you probably should be going. Um, you know that kind of stuff. I was actually <clears throat> there were some private investors at one point who were offering this kind of equity stake in in online arbitrage businesses, and I had a conversation with one of them, and uh, it was very much uh, golden handcuffs. Uh, you know, you yes, we'd love to give you a bunch of money to do online arbitrage, however, you need to get rid of this, 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 and this in your life, and I've. I'm self-diagnosed, you know, business ADHD kind of guy. There's no way I'm going to be able to focus on one thing when there's 37 other shiny objects out there. I also want to focus on, <laughs> uh, so I had to I had to pass on that. Uh, have you ever looked into a crew me or any of those kind of equity partners that that are out there? I haven't, and and honestly, it's because I
1: I haven't really run into a bunch of resistance um, getting capital. You know, maybe it was the you know, the slow pace that, that I tried to scale under, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's fairly easy to get some business credit cards. (laughs) It's fairly easy, easy to, uh, to get some business credit cards, uh, right out of the gate. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're going to file for an LLC, which is what I did, um, relatively quickly, um, you know, places like Capital One, they approve me. Um, and you don't need a, you don't know, need stellar credit. You know you can have, you know, fair to, to mid range credit. You know, and I'm, you know, if you're in the mid sixties or higher, or, or I'm sorry, mid six hundreds, I should say, uh, or higher, you know, you're you're probably gold. You know, you're probably good to get uh, get a couple cards if if that's what you want to do. Um, you know, Chase is another one. Uh, I've had no problems with them. You know, they uh, just based on personal credit. You know, you could probably you know, you probably get five, $10,000 on a, a business credit card right away um, with enough credit line to, to hit a, a nice little intro bonus too. You know, whether you're looking at, you know, whether it be a cashback bonus, you know, I think one of my chase cards had a $500 bonus and, and achieving the bonus isn't really too big of an obstacle either because You know, think about the inventory that we're purchasing and, and, you know, the the volume that that we're churning in the credit cards. You know, you you can hit these bonuses pretty quick. Um, And then there's also travel rewards. You know, I had a Marriott card that I I think they gave me 125,000 bonus uh, Marriott points and two free nights uh, certificates. And I hit that. Yeah, they gave me three months to hit the intro bonus. And and I think I had it in the bag after about five weeks. So. (laughs) And And none of that was based on business financials. You know, those are just personal credit and, and, you know, basically if you have a a score in the mid six hundreds, you know, you're, you're probably home free from there.
0: Yeah. That's, I, I will admit it, admit that I am not the best at churning credit card points and things like that. I wish I was better at it. And I don't know whether it's because I can't focus on, you know, the minutia that you've got to really learn about these credit cards uh, but I, I wish I was. But I mean, I, I know people who are taking their families, you know, traveling first class across the world and and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of the cool thing about this business is that can all be free as long as you do it properly. So,
1: yeah.
0: Now we should probably move on to the next thing. The other kind of one of the other pain points and and uh, it's prep. I mean. Listen, I know some people really, really enjoy it when when my wife was helping me, she actually and en- she didn't necessarily enjoy putting things into poly bags and taking off stickers. Uh, however, she was really, really good at packing boxes and making them small and dense or as small and dense as you can make them. Uh, and she referred to it as adult tetris. It was, you know, <laughs> she would sit there, watch a little TV, pack boxes, and she enjoyed it. I, on the other hand, I would, I would rather go to the dentist than, than prep. I, I don't care for it. Yeah. Uh, but there are some easy ways to be able to remove yourself from that bottleneck. Uh, and one of them, of course, is a prep center. A prep center is a, a nice, easy way to be able to allow someone else to handle the prep pack and ship of, of your items. And I think a lot of folks, A lot of folks are like, well, I can only use a prep center if I'm doing online arbitrage. That's just the only way to do it. But it's not the case. I know that you have help for your prep and uh, for the retail arbitrage that you do. And and I'd like you to talk about that a little bit here in just a moment. But I, I also know that in both Ohio and in Florida, I have found and used prep centers that will accept retail arbitrage. So you don't necessarily, while you may be limited by geography, you know, if you don't have a prep center for two hours, then it's probably not going to help. Uh, but it is possible that there are prep centers near you that are are able to help out. Um, and Chris, I'm curious, like, one, how did you find prep help and and kind of what the process was to uh, to bring them in-house and help you with your retail arbitrage prep? Well, I I went uh,
1: against popular advice, and uh, I went inside my family. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, you know, and there's there's a handful of them, you know, that I, that I could have talked to, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I hired a family member. Um, you know, she's she's retired, and and you know, she was uh, doing some Instacart, and you know, there's there's a handful of people that in my personal network, and and I'm I'm guessing that I'm not alone. You know but uh like the retired you know just collecting social security but you know everybody seems to want to have a little bit something on the side you know and, and that's the situation that that she was in and um you know and my fear at first was and and i've actually talked to, to people in the mastermind that have the same fear of, of hiring somebody is you know that they, there's all of a sudden there's pressure to have something for them to do you know um, this situation was nice because, um, it's only a few hours a week. You know, it's just, we started out one day a week and, uh, you know, it's three, four hours depending on how much, uh, inventory I've purchased. And, um, it's just, but it's such a help <laughs> you know, because I, I hate, hate prep. I hate prep so much that I would put it off, you know, and, and I would just, I, I, I you know, I'd, I'd let my my limbic system win, and, and you know, just go do something um, involving some dopamine instead of uh, you know these these poly bags and um, and all this stuff. So yeah, and then of course that means that inventory keeps piling up, and and you know, that's money, and that, you know, that's revenue um, that that's unrealized, which and and it's silly. I mean, it's it's completely stupid to do so. You know, that's uh, uh, the breaking point of, of that is is what made me seek it out. But, you know, I, I've got, uh, you know, my oldest son is um, turned, just turned 19. Um, you know, I could, I can still strong arm him a little bit, um, you know, but I could have, you know, I could have easily asked him or, or just said, hey, you know, you're, um, you're going to do this. You know, I still, I think I still have that clout, even, even
0: at 19. So.
1: They, but, haven't, uh, yeah. they haven't
0: learned that they can just tell, you no yet. You right. still have another year of year for that. <laughs> right. Right.
1: But, uh, he was a possibility. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, and I, and I meant to make a point earlier when we first started talking, um, you know, you had mentioned family members when we were talking about free stuff, you know, that people get rid of stuff and, and, you know, the old things laying around the house and, and then the old things laying around our, our family's house, um, you know, part of that is you know, kind of have a responsibility to, to let the people in our families and our personal networks know what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're certainly going to miss opportunities if you don't, you know, yeah. you're not, you know, keeping it to yourself and, and not not throwing it out there that, that, hey, you know, if you're getting rid of anything, call me first, you know, that mm-hmm. that can, uh, that could be a lot of extra money uh, that, that you pick up simply by, by sharing that information. Um, and the same thing goes with, with this kind of stuff with, with in-home or in-person prep, uh, let them know what you do. And, and, you know, they might be curious and they might ask some questions and, and said, Hey, you know, I no, I, I, you know, I didn't get a shipment out and because I hate this part. And then, you know, you have a little conversation and next thing, you know, they might offer, Hey, well, I can help you out. Let me know what you need me to do. You know, and that, exactly. that's very similar to, to how my situation happened.
0: Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if people just want to keep it close to the vest. I I know a lot of Amazon sellers don't necessarily, you know, talk about what they do. And and maybe it's because some people think that, you know, well, some people do think that we are parasites. uh, And that is, I was actually called that on Instagram over the weekend. I was called a parasite. (laughs) Uh, You know, but but not everyone thinks that way or they don't understand enough about what we do to really have a, have some sort of judgment in their mind. Uh, and maybe it feels like selling, you know, it, well, if I tell everyone what I do, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm selling myself and it doesn't feel nice, but unfortunately that's just part of owning a business. You've always got to be always got to be selling, you know, whether it's to a, a retail manager or, uh, you know, someone at the store to help you or whatever it is. So I, I wouldn't feel too bad about that. Uh, now we kind of, we kind of glossed over OA prep. And I know some folks, you know, get a little intimidated by it. Maybe, maybe they can't find a prep center, uh, which, you know, if you Google, it's, it's usually not too difficult. There are more and more always coming online. It seems like you know, a new one is popping up, uh, every couple of weeks or so these days, because there is so much demand, uh, which is great, uh, And I, but I know that then some places are going to have things like minimums. I know that my prep center, I want to say it's a minimum of three or 400 units a month. And I know not everyone's there yet. Uh, It takes a little bit of time, but there are others that don't require those kind of minimums. It just takes a little bit of extra uh, looking around and, or maybe you have to use a prep center that is in a taxable state rather than a tax-free state to get around those minimums just to get started. And you're not you're not locked into a prep center. You can come and go as you please. Uh, not that I would ever you know, want you to hurt some sort of business relationship, but if it's better for your business, it's okay to move on when, when you're able to. Uh, and then the other thing, of course, is there's always a horror story about prep centers. I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to get your opinion, but here's mine. One, a lot of the horror stories that we see about prep centers or selling on Amazon or any other thing, they tend to become a bit of a magnet for other people. Oh, you know, yes, I I had that issue, or you know, a friend of a friend had that issue, or I read somewhere that that happened to someone, uh, and and it just piles on, and those those kind of threads become longer and longer with people feeling bad or, uh, you know, joining the company and and misery tends to love company. And and that's, it doesn't matter where you're, where you are or or what kind of group you're in, uh, people just pile onto those kind of things. So one, I would imagine that horror stories are probably further and farther between than what it may seem like. Some of them are absolutely legit. I know of some legit ones that have happened, Uh, but I mean what do what are you to do i mean you can't you can't ever know one hundred percent without doing business with folks uh, so I mean, I guess how do you tell someone, yeah, I know that other people have had issues with maybe the a prep center in general, but I mean how do you get someone to overcome that 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 fear I guess
1: i you might want to remind them that. You know, prep center is one of the decisions that you can make in in your Amazon selling career that you, if it, it's in the category of things that once you do it, you can't imagine not having it as part of your your business. You know, it, it's just a, there's a there's a collection of things that that you know I, I kind of call them like why did I wait so long to do this uh, decisions. You know, it it it's such a benefit. The benefit far outweighs you know, whatever these fears uh, that you have, um, you know, but you make a good point that the negatives always stick in our mind more than the positives, you know, mm-hmm. think about, think about personally, you know, when's the last time you wrote a positive review on something, you know, it, it they're few and far between, but you know, if, if somebody, uh, you know, gives you a bad experience or, or, you know, provides bad service, you know, it the first thing we want to do is, is, you know, tell the world, you know, um, And that's that's just human nature that, you know, that that's just part of of how we're wired, you know, not just in Amazon. That's that's in everything, you know. Um, You know, a lot of the thing and the thing to remember is none of these things, any of these solutions that that we have talked about or will talk about, none of them are forever. You know, if you get somebody in and, and, you know, if you hire a, a teenager that lives in your neighborhood to come work in your garage for, for five hours a week, you know, it, it, whether it be, you know, scraping stickers off or polybagging, you're not tied to that person forever. You know, you, you, you know, if there has to be a certain amount of, uh, you know, confidence and assertiveness that we take as business owners, you know, th- you can't, you can't get too cute with stuff. You know, I mean, th- there's, you know, it's important to remember that, that this is a business, this is your business. You know, it's like the question a few episodes uh, ago where, you know, they were worried about price tanking for, for all the other sellers, you know, it's it, you know, you have to look out for number one, you know, in, in, in the business world, you know, and, and it's um, that, that's an important thing to remember, you know, the, the hard decisions need to be made, but you know, the, there's a, there's a certain attitude um, that you have to take um, as far as, you know, preservation and, and, you know, smart decisions, you know, as, as a business owner, you know, you need to make sure you're wearing that hat in all these aspects. So none of these things are forever, you know, if, if the prep's not working out saying, Hey, you know, uh, I gotta let you go. You know, I mean, uh, uh you know, I, I've thought about the possibility of, of having to fire my mom, you know, that's, mm-hmm. uh, gives me both joy and uh, trepidation. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Hopefully she doesn't listen to this episode. Um, you know, it, but at the same time, it's five hours a week. You know, like, are you paying them 10 bucks? It's 50 bucks a week. They will oh, get yeah. over it just like you'll get over it. You know, um, um, prep center. You know, th- if, there's, if it's not working out, just move. Just clear out your inventory. Have them send it in get it down to zero. And, and in the meantime, find somebody else. You know, these are not life or death situations. You know, th- this is very much a, a
0: fluid uh, a situation
1: when you're running a business like this.
0: Mm-hmm. And those kind of conversations that you have to have, I, I guess maybe one of the things that, that keeps people from doing those kinds of things sometimes is that it's uncomfortable. It's okay. uncomfortable having to fire someone. It's especially uncomfortable having to fire your mother when you got to see her at Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, or they live down the street, you know. But but you you have to do it sometimes, and uh, I don't know. Fortunately or unfortunately, as business owners, we we have to kind of live in this uh, this reality of being uncomfortable on a regular basis. You know, we're always maybe in new territory or trying something new or. Uh, you know, having to have uncomfortable conversations with employees or business partners. And uh, it's just kind of the nature of, of the of the business. Um, now, who was uh, it? It's Layla Hormozzi, uh which happens to be uh, she's a great business lady and her husband is Alex Hormozzi. Uh They're both very popular on, you know, Instagram and YouTube and things like that. But she talks a lot about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And uh, it's some of the best insights I've read uh, from her. It's just fantastic, and she's talked about how, you know, the first time she had to fire somebody, like, and even now, when you know they run a hundred million dollar business, but even now, uh, having to fire somebody can keep her up all night long. Uh, but in the end, the decision has to be made to: do I allow this person to be the reason that a business can't succeed? Uh, you know and and that's kind of the decision you're having to make and- yeah
1: and and how different is that from the overall theme of this episode mm-hmm. you know it it's it's a hard decision any of these, whether it be capital whether it be prep you know sourcing that we'll get to or or you know even bookkeeping you know you're making there's something keeping you from it and it it it's uncomfortable but the the point is you're gonna make the hard decision or get through whatever the obstacle is that's keeping you from it you know, the thing to keep in mind is how good it's going to be when you get the right person or you get the right service in place. You know, that's, that's the point of all this. And yeah, yeah, it, you, you may be uncomfortable getting to that position, but just
0: keep, keep the ultimate goal in mind. Mm -hmm. You, you touched on our next topic, which is, is sourcing. I think it makes perfect sense to talk, talk about it after prep, even though you have to do it before prep. Uh, you know, sourcing for some people is is hard, uh, or they don't care for it, but they know that it's something that absolutely has to be done. This is probably one of the reasons that having uh, or lead lists are so popular. Is that I mean, let's let's be honest. Yes, getting the dopamine rush from finding a great score at a you know doing retail arbitrage or. You know, finding a killer product in tactical arbitrage or manual sourcing, yes, that dopamine rush is is awesome, but it wears off pretty quickly. When for the next two hours you absolutely strike out at every corner, Uh, you know, and it and it can feel I don't know overwhelming, disappointing, frustrating, you know, all those things, Uh, and probably enough for some people to say, you know, what I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, So. But there are solutions and you know the first solution, let's talk about retail arbitrage. One, maybe retail arbitrage is just too peoplely for you and you don't wanna go out and, and deal with people or crowds or anything like that. Well, the cool thing is you can also, you can hire shoppers. Um, I'm, I'm always gonna go back to uh, Dan and I don't know why his, his last name uh, escapes me at the moment. But Dan is a really successful seller from the Northeast, and he has a team of shoppers. One of them is in the Chicagoland area. Another one, I think might be in the Northeast with him, but he's got these shoppers who go out and absolutely crush in different parts of the country. They do the sourcing and the shipping. He never has to touch a thing. Uh, Now, does he go out and do retail arbitrage? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but if he doesn't, he's still got a business that's growing. Uh, I think they're, they're probably going to do nine figures this year. So, wait, no, eight figures, sorry. Nine figures is, is really big. But they're going to do eight figures this year. They're going to $10 million in sales. And 90% of that or more, maybe all of it, is from his team of shoppers. Uh, so, I mean, it's possible to grow like that. Ten million, vast majority of it retail arbitrage. That, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's got to it's got to be at least eighty percent retail arbitrage. I know he also has some private label lines, uh, and one or two of those do pretty well. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I remember the interview he did with them. Yeah, yeah, he,
1: he, had, he does have some private label stuff.
0: Yeah, but retail arbitrage is their bread and butter, and it's all clothing and shoes, you know, which takes a little bit longer to turn. And and, uh, and one of their superpowers is actually finding new lines. So I think he talked about Vineyard Vines being a a brand that wasn't on Mm -hmm. Amazon and their team actually brought it to Amazon, uh, created the first listings and things like that. So, uh, which is, that that's a whole nother kind of episode I think we could talk about uh, is the fact that, A, there are still those brands out there, uh, but B, I like the way that they set up their, their shoppers Where for the first year, if they bring a new line to Amazon that they've never sold in the past, doesn't have to be something they create, but maybe they've never sold, um, I don't know, New Balance before. Well, if if one of their shoppers brought New Balance as a brand into their business, then they get like a 10% bonus on the entire profit for, for a whole year. Uh, so that, I mean, that right there is one way to motivate your shoppers, keep them in the game, keep their heads on a swivel so that they're not just going down, uh, maybe a shopping list or, uh, you know, where they're always comfortable. They're also going out and looking for different ways to help the business grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, a, uh, I mean, you can
1: create a shopping list pretty easily. You know, they, they, I've got a couple different sources. Um, you know, my VAs have, uh, I, I've told them to be on the lookout for certain stores that don't have delivery. Um, you know, I can only do Bopus, uh, buy online, pick up in store or, you know, in the in-store retail arbitrage. Um, but I basically take their findings and put them on a Google sheet, which is something I do for a, a, another Bolo group that we're in. Um, and it, it's fairly easy. You know, I'll just hyperlink the Amazon listing, um, you know, so I can copy that, put it into Scoutify, you know, if I want to look at some numbers that way or if I want to look at the actual Amazon listing and I'll even take a little snippet of the picture from the Amazon listing and put it right into the Google sheet, you know, right into the cell so I can, you know, just as a visual cue um, to try to speed it up, you know, as far as, you know, if I can make a quicker decision, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, looking at the, the right product. Uh, but, and then once it's on a Google sheet, you can share that. And then, you know, last week uh, with the interview with Chris Anderson, you know, I explained the process of this Google sheet and he's like, yeah, you know, and then you could hire a shopper to do it. <laughs> you know, and it was like, boom, like that. You know, I've, I've, I've outsourced. It's not a pain point for me because I love, I love the treasure hunt aspect of, uh, of shopping. Always have, but uh, you know, but yeah, if I wanted to, or if I had multiple lists, you know, I could hire a shopper and, and give one list to them, and then I could still go treasure hunt myself. And now I've got double the eyeballs and, and double the sourcing power.
0: So yeah, abs- absolutely. I'm I re- I'm very excited. A little bit later this month, you know, I, I know I've said it in the past, but we've got uh, got someone who's gonna come and. Do that kind of work for me, and I'm I'm really excited to see what uh, what they what they can do. I think they've got a lot of potential. So nice. uh, plus, I even I was able to outsource their their prep training. Uh, Nicole, Chris Anderson's uh, mm-hmm. girlfriend, is actually going to come up and train him uh, in her style of prep for me, uh, so that uh, so that he's really really good. So I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, now, now we talked about retail arbitrage, but, but when it comes to OA, I almost think that outsourcing OA is a little bit easier. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways you could do it. Number one, you could just join lead lists and, and they're, I think they're valuable, especially if you use them properly. I, I know that I harp on it a lot about using lead lists properly. Uh, you know, but that's one method that, where you can outsource your, your sourcing. Number two, you can have a virtual assistant. If you don't like going through, say, tactical arbitrage results, maybe you don't like manual sourcing, uh, you can have someone do that for, you know, four or five dollars an hour. Uh, I've hired my own cousin to go through old lead lists and just all she does is go through leads lists that are, you know, a year, 12 or 12 months, uh, six months and 90 days old. And anything that is still profitable, she just puts on another sheet for me to look at. She's not, She doesn't know how to source. She doesn't know how to figure out whether something is selling really well or not. All I ask her to do is look at the two products. And if it's in stock at the source site, and it's still being sold on Amazon, so it's not not a dog page, and she can see in the Rev seller calculator that it's profitable based on the purchase price, then it's a give it to me to look over. So rather than me having to go through several hundred leads, I can go through 20 or 30 of them and save some time uh, that way. With a process uh, that involves copy, paste, click. Exactly.
1: And yeah, it's, you know easy data entry.
0: Yeah, it's super, super simple. I try to make it as easy as possible. Uh, I think the training videos I made her were a total of about seven and a half minutes and she was off and running. Mm-hmm. So, and so that's, I guess, I guess the whole point of that is, is don't be overwhelmed by the process of giving a little bit away. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be that whoever you have doing the work for you knows everything you do because that's not going to happen. You know, I, what you know and what I know has come through years of blood, sweat, and tears, you know, uh, these offerings to the Amazon gods that we have to give. Uh, and you're not going to get that from someone who's, who's not uh, invested in this like you are, at least not upfront. Uh, right. But you can give them a little piece, or maybe they're only 75% as good as you, But now you have all that time back and over time you can train them to become better. uh, And you're also maybe maybe you're not spending 30 hours a week sourcing now. Maybe you're spending 20 hours a week and you've got an extra 10 hours that, well, I could either I could source more. I could work on reimbursements and get some of the money back that Amazon owes me. Uh, You know, I could figure out a way to, I don't know, use some leverage in my business somewhere that maybe I'm not. Uh, or just use it as thinking time. This, I don't think this is always thought of as a business that requires some thinking, but I would imagine that if we had a little bit more quiet time where we could think and ask ourselves questions and be honest with ourselves, we'd probably come up with a lot more solutions and make our lives a lot easier. Absolutely. The next one is shipping. Um, Chris, what's, what is your process for getting things out of your house and on its way to Amazon? Well, you know, part of it has to do with uh, uh, my
1: in, in-person help. Um, you know, I need to get the stuff out of the way for the next week's, uh, you know, prep. Um, not only do I, you know, it, basically having these responsibilities kind of pushes me, um, you know, step by step. You know, I need to make sure I have I bought inventory to be prepped and then I need to make sure that the stuff that was prepped before is, is out of the way, you know, for the new stuff. So, um, it, it's a mixture of that. And then my wife, you know, give me those looks that that seem to say, get the shit out of my way. Um, yeah, I don't know. It may be a combination of those two. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but basically that's, and we didn't mention about that, uh, or we didn't mention that part. Um, that's, that's kind of important too, is, is the consistency, um, okay. That uh, that is a result of having people, for lack of a better word, rely on you, even though it's, you know, three hours a week or whatever, you know, but there's there's just there's a responsibility to, to you know, keep the plate spinning and, you know, you got to do your part and keep everything moving. So but uh, I do I I don't like big shipments. Um, so I, you know, and, and people know if they're in the discord or, or you know, on my my social media, uh, my shipments aren't big at all um but they are manageable <laughs> and 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 they're consistent you know ever since i hired uh you know the the prep help i haven't missed shipment um since you know and 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 if sometimes it you know if it's one or or you know sometimes it's multiple shipments um you know prior to uh, uh the next week where the prep help comes but um yeah it, it's it's helped me be consistent and it's just uh you know smaller, you know, not smaller boxes, but, you know, I mean, obviously it depends on what products you're sourcing, but yeah, just kind of chopping it up in, into, into little pieces. You know, I, I was talking to, to a member of, of the mastermind and he sent me a private message when, um, cause I, my social media must be so annoying to, to look at. Cause it's just a bunch of pictures of boxes. You know, I, I try to sprinkle some other stuff in there and, you know, I kind of audit my own social media. Like this is the lamest thing I've ever seen in my life. But uh, um, but he he mentioned something about the consistency that he was seeing. He goes, man, you, you know, it's just on a regular basis. He goes, I, I have to I got to start doing smaller shipments because uh, these big shipments are killing me, you know. And I said, yeah, I said, yeah. The, and that's kind of that was almost the inspiration for this episode. It's like, you know, yeah, change, change it up. You know, you're not locked into big shipments. You know, you, chances are, no matter what it is, that that's that's killing you, air quotes, Um, that could be changed or, or there's, there's help to be found, you know, just, so just chop it up into little pieces, you know, it it doesn't, I drive my stuff to UPS, but you know, I mean, they'll, they'll come pick it up, you know, it's, it's less than $4 if you schedule it through, through pirate ship, Mm -hmm. you know, or it's uh, if you have multiple shipments per week, isn't it like $15 a week or something? Isn't that what it works out to if you just set up regular pickups?
0: I think so. Yeah. I think, I think, Being a, if you're doing it out of your home, I think it is fifteen bucks because they charge you like a little extra uh, for being a residential pickup instead of a business pickup. Yeah, but with you know with gas at one hundred and seven dollars a gallon now, you know that's that's, uh, (laughs) you know you're you're saving money unless your UPS store is right down the street. Exactly. Yeah, the the pickup from Pirate Ship has been one of the best things that I've come across. Uh, You know, I I don't remember who told me about it. Uh, but I owe them, you know, a nice steak dinner or something, you know, because mm-hmm. my UPS store is not too far down the street, but one, if you've ever gone into a UPS store uh, with, I don't know, 10 or 15 boxes, uh, the looks you get are not the nicest, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and then the, the whispering on the way out doesn't help either. Uh, but the other thing is, it's just, it's just kind of a pain, you know, it's much easier to have the UPS guy pull up and and just take the stuff and not have to worry about it. And, you know, and then I make sure he gets a bottle of something he likes, you know, once or twice a year, just to make sure to keep those, those skids greased a little bit. Uh, Now, and I know we're, we're going a little longer than I expected here, but we've got two more things that are probably the most unsexy portions of the business that we kind of saved for last. And number one is account health. There is, this one may not seem like it's that important, but I I would say that this may be one of the most important. And the reason I say that is whenever, a lot of times, not not every time, but a lot of times when I come across someone who reaches out and asks for help with maybe a suspension or some sort of account issue, uh, and you start really digging in, you kind of see a history of not handling account health on a regular basis or in a timely manner. Uh, and and these things, if they don't seem important at the, at the beginning when they start happening, but then when that suspension comes and you've got uh, maybe 10 IP claims or you've got a couple of inauthentic claims or things like that, well, then it becomes real evident real quick that, okay, well, we know why this happened. You aren't showing Amazon good faith on the front end, so finally there's a straw that broke the camel's back, uh, but now you've got to deal with all of these issues at one time. Now, having said that, I understand that A, it's really, really boring and it's, it's frustrating to have to deal with seller performance, seller support. Uh, the communication is not always the best. Their understanding of Amazon's policies Uh, is not nearly as good as our understanding of Amazon policies. And because of the way that Amazon policies are written, our understanding of them really probably aren't as great as they should be. Uh, But there are some ways that you can lighten that load. And one way is having like an attorney, uh, you know, on retainer. I know that sounds really expensive, uh, but, you know, someone like Jeff Schick, he's $89 a month and he'll handle an IP complaint for you. And you also get a free suspension once a year. Uh, You know, but then there's other services as well. Maybe, maybe you want to make sure that you're getting all the reimbursements that you deserve from inbound shipping discrepancies or lost boxes or uh, items that didn't get returned from a customer. You can do those all yourself and heck, I don't, man, I don't even remember what reports you need to pull to check anymore. Uh, you know, but I used to, but you can give that out to a company. There's uh who do you use, Chris? Uh, what's the one that, that three Colts owns. Is that seller bench? They own seller bench and refund sniper now.
1: Oh, and refund sniper. Yeah. I,
0: I primarily use seller bench. Okay. So there's Seller Bench. They're a great company. They charge a percentage. Yep. Okay. So Seller Bench charges a percentage of what they get back for you. Uh, And I know that some people are like, oh, well, you know, that's kind of frustrating. They're going to take 25% of what they get back. But chances are you weren't going to get any of it back if you, you know, especially if you've like waited 18 months, uh, you know, you're not going to go back that far and they'll do that for you. Uh, you know so there's there's seller bench there's refund sniper uh there's one very poorly named get itda or something get i t d a um, Andy Slammons owns uh a company that does it um the Coughlins they're also great sellers I believe they have a service that does it, and they're both flat fees whether they get you money back or not uh which some people like that better. And then outside of that, you know, there are all kinds of other issues. Maybe there's a a listing that needs fixed or a title that needs fixed. And those are some of the most difficult things to do. (laughs) Trying to get the catalog team on the phone is difficult. But two, uh, getting them to understand what might need to be changed is hard. And they may even just say no anyway. But there are companies out there like Seller Candy who will handle that kind of stuff for you. And they will open up endless, uh, endless cases with Amazon to try to get things taken care of and uh, and handle you know whatever issues may pop up. They can typically do that kind of thing for you. Finally, you could just hire a virtual assistant and you could train them, you know, train them up from from nothing and teach them all the things you might want them to do. Uh, are there any other services or? Uh, or waste outsource that you can think of that I'm I'm not hitting.
1: I, I think you got
0: most if not all of them. And I I do want to I want to put an emphasis on this from the get go. And or if you're maybe maybe you're even a you know a mid-sized to a large seller and you've just kind of been laxadaisical uh, about your account health. Please take it seriously. there are a lot of people who have worked at Amazon and come out to do things like consulting. And whenever you talk to them, uh, they will, they'll tell me things like, Oh, well, you know, even though it says that, you know, that IP complaint was, you know, removed or taken care of or whatever, it's kind of always still on your permanent record and you may not see it, but Amazon is able to pull all of that stuff up. So it looks really good when big things happen if you take care of the small things promptly and uh, and sufficiently, all right? Providing receipts that have been annotated properly, providing a reason why, you know, the IP complaint is bogus, uh, all of those things. It can, it will be in your favor when that suspension does come and maybe it's a suspension that's usually really hard to get taken care of um, and, I say this with a little bit of experience. So number one, I make sure my account health is always clean, knock on wood. It doesn't, you know, not, things don't happen too often. But when I was suspended last year, it was one of those suspensions that's usually pretty difficult. It was an associated account suspension. Uh, And part of the problem with those is that you don't have enough information to fight them. And so they can be difficult. Well, the nice thing is, is that because my account health was clean, I had no issues that had to be cleaned up before I could just deal with the related suspension. And I could just give them everything I absolutely could. We you know, tried to fire with both barrels on this thing, and finally, you, know, got that account back. and it took a lot less than I've seen other people's take. Uh, and I think that a small portion of that is you know credited to having some clean account health. And then two, it's having a having a good lawyer on on my side who could escalate if necessary. And finally, one of the most boring things ever that you have to handle is bookkeeping. Uh, Chris, I'd love to hear how your what you do for your bookkeeping. Uh,
1: most of it's uh, shoved in a drawer uh, <laughs> uh, until um, after what whatever is after the last minute. <laughs> um, my, my CPA just has a, a, a constant, uh, f- uh, filing extension form ready for me. He has it like pre-filled. So, um, no, I, I, I have, I have no, uh, constructive advice to offer as far as bookkeeping. Um, but it, it's fairly simple. You know, I, I mean, I just, I try to stay on top of it. You know, that's uh, similar to account health, you know, that the, these two things, it's, it's important to stay on top of it. And, and I find the only way to do that is to simply do a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and just not let it, not let it build up, you know, cause yeah. it's, you're just, you're just asking for uh, uh, stress and, and headaches at some point in the future. You know, it, it's, um, it's
0: easy to get away from you if you let it go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy because it's one of those things that, one, it's so easy to put off because it's boring and then it snowballs on itself and then it just becomes something you just want to hide under the covers from and you don't, you don't want to deal with it. So now if you're, if you're at that point, there's not necessarily a need to be worried because there are services out there that can handle this for you. You don't see, I guess that's kind of the cool thing about the age in which we live in now. You know, if it were 1965, like you'd have to go hire a CFO and and that was your option. You hire a, a CFO and they handle the books and things like that. But now there's all these fractional services that you can take advantage of. Uh, you know, so there's Bench. They're a really big bookkeeping company uh, where you pay, you know, X amount of dollars every month and they handle your books and make sure that everything's ready. And uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure if they do like a and L sheet. Uh, but this next service, Ecom Balance, they will. They do, they do your bookkeeping for you. They, if you're someone who has let your books go for a while, they have a service where they'll go back as far as they have to. Uh, it might cost you an arm and a leg, but they will clean up your books for you. But then you'll get a p every single month and you'll know exactly where you stand profit and loss wise. Uh, which can help make you some informed, help you make some informed decisions going forward. And then maybe those services are too expensive. I think Bench is probably going to cost most people $300 a month. Ecom balance has a sliding scale depending on your size, uh, you know, but there are local CPAs and bookkeepers uh, who can do a great job. They may not understand e-commerce as well as uh, some digital first companies, but they're out there. And, and I mean, bookkeeping is bookkeeping. So it's, you know, right. it's not too much different whether or not you're doing Amazon or you have a retail store uh, and you might be able to, you know, I've got a friend who his bookkeeper is like this 75 year old lady and she's got like 25 clients still and she does all the bookkeeping uh, and he absolutely loves her. And she like makes him cookies, you know, once a <laughs> quarter when they meet. Uh, You know, it's really, it's a nice story, uh, but she's also like $80 a month is all she costs. Uh, So it doesn't have to be something that will break the bank. Uh, And then your final option is, and maybe not a final option, this could be a first option, but there are bookkeeping virtual assistants that you can hire. Uh, And if you're, you know, I don't know, for me, I would really want to have some trust built up before I had uh, someone from another country have access to my books and or accounts or anything like that. Uh, But that is a possibility to be able to get it done for, you know, four or five dollars an hour. It it is possible. Uh, You know, and if that's what you need to do to make sure it gets done, absolutely do it. And now while we're on this topic, I think that that another piece of it that we should talk about is, is taking care of like receipts if you're doing retail arbitrage or online arbitrage. This kind of hits account health and bookkeeping. You need copies of those just in case Uncle Sam were to ever come knocking on the door and say, hey, we need proof of all these things. But you also need these things if you have an account health issue. So I know that what I use is I use a ScanSnap. uh, I think it's the IX100 to scan things like receipts in. Of course, I have folders if they're emailed receipts. Uh, But I know that I am guilty of stuffing receipts into a bank, a banker's bag, and then letting them go for months at a time. And I would highly suggest you don't do that <laughs> uh, because your bookkeeper is gonna be irritated with you, number one, then uh, number two, if you don't have them when you need them for an account health issue, you could end up having, uh, having to, a lot of stress going through all of those receipts. Uh, Chris, how do you keep your receipts organized? Uh, Yeah, they are. They're stuffed
1: in a container for uh, uh, way too long. But uh, I, I just use my scanner. Um, I've got a, a, i have got just whatever came with the computer, you know, Mm -hmm. laser jet or whatever. Um, I do it the hard way. I gotta, I have to piece together, you know, especially some of the, especially the the stores where they don't use the quantity button. They just like to scan each individual. I am,
0: I am going to, I'm going to buy and send you a receipt scanner right after this, right after we're done with this episode, I'm going to change your life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause that's a, yeah. When you, when you get those vertical blind, uh, uh, receipts,
0: yeah, that's, that's annoying that uh, yeah, it's not my favorite process. No, no, I, I totally get it. Uh, now this is another thing that you could outsource, you know, this is, this is something that you know your 19 year old son. You could tell him that he's got to do. Uh, tell him to get off the computer for a little while and hop on yours, uh, you know, and and scan those in. When my son's a little bit older, I don't trust him at eight years old to, uh, well, to touch my computer or my phone or or any other electronic that is mine. Uh, but when he's 12 or 13, I would imagine that I should be able to hire him to do that kind of stuff, uh, you know, on a on a part time basis. Um, you know, but I'm also, I'm going to have the prep person and the, and the shopper we have this summer. I'm going to have him do that. That's going to be part of his job is to scan all those in. So we don't have a backlog of them. Uh, and it's, it's not hard, but it's really, really important. Have you ever, you ever left a receipt in the, in like the windshield of your car? (laughs) No, no. Okay. So when I first started doing retail arbitrage, I I thought I was being super organized, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a manila envelope. Whenever I leave a store, I'm going to make sure that my receipts go into this manila envelope, and, and I would put this manila envelope on my dash. I only did that once or twice because when it's 95 degrees outside and it's 110 in your car, well, those things are thermal, and they tend to <laughs> uh, just turn into just black and you can't see anything. Uh, and so fortunately never had an issue, uh, but you know, I would, I'd be kicking myself now if I did that again. I had a, a similar scenario
1: with uh, uh, Dan Marino's autograph. Oh. I saw him in, I saw him in an airport as a kid and, and all I had was an envelope and a felt tip pen. And so he signed this envelope for me and, and I put it in my pocket and went out in the Florida sun and I pulled that envelope, and there was there was no evidence there was ever any red ink because it was a red felt tip pen. There was no evidence there was ever any ink on the envelope.
0: It was amazing. Uh, it was like a magic trick. That's horrible, man. That's a great story, though. I mean, at least you, <laughs> at least you got to keep keep that. Not that it's much of a concession, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh. Well, anything we missed, I I think this was, this was kind of a fun episode. I know it, I know it seems like a bunch of boring little things, but I think there are some, uh, there are some real kind of take your medicine moments out of this, uh, this episode. Yeah. You know, it's,
1: it, it harkens back to, to one of our previous episodes, you know, it, it, just get out of your own way. You know, it's don't hesitate and, 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 don't not do something simply because it's uncomfortable. Um, you know, or, or don't let things build up. Again, it's just get started and just keep going. You know, I mean, we we keep hammering that home, but it, it's such good and necessary advice. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do have a, a quote of the week. Do we? Oh, perfect. I don't, no, don't want really to submit, submit one of my own. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I want to hear yours, too. But uh, okay. I, I did have one ready just in case. But uh, it's right. it's from one of our favorite authors, James Clear. Um, and and this one's simple, just like the, the advice that we've been talking about. But it it says, prime your environment to make the next action easy. Oh, I love and that. And that's yeah, and and it's it's so true because it, it you can get examples of, of the validity of it all over the place. You know, I mean, anything that you've done, you know, take some some errand or or some prep the night before, you know, and, and that decision where you have to decide okay, do I get this ready for the next day or do I just push it off and, and, you know, watch Netflix or play a video game or something, you know, that next day, how, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred, you're like, God, why didn't I just do a little bit last night and get this ready? Yeah, You know, it, it's, it makes life so much easier. And, you know, it, it really gives you a, a, a good push, a, a positive momentum, you know, when you bite the bullet and, and, and just get it ready, you know, for your, Uh, be ready for
0: your next action. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's a, that is a good one. And in in the book, I know one of his examples is like, you know, take a moment to set out your gym clothes for the morning so that it's one less step that you have to do, because I mean, it it really is simple stuff like that. If I simply just have to open a drawer to pull out a new pair of gym shorts, uh, that could be the thing that keeps me from going to the gym that day. Uh, Yeah. I wish that we could overcome our lizard brains uh, easier, but I mean, we can't, you know, so yeah. we've got to trick ourselves all the time. And then the great thing about that is if you want to skip the gym, you
1: have to take the clothes off the bed and put them away, you know, so exactly. there's like extra shame built in. It, it's
0: fantastic. Those two steps of shame from the bed to the dresser. <laughs> yep. So uh, my I've had Gary Keller on the mind recently, and uh, which, which made me think of, you know, that meme where you know the the woman is laying one one way in bed, and and the little bubble says, "I bet she's thinking about other women," uh, and the guys, you know, like, ah, oh, I'm you know my, my crypto tanked or whatever. Well, right. in, in my house, uh, you know, if my wife was that woman, at, you know, saying he thinks about other women, I'm always thinking about quotes, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> and this week it just happened to be Gary Keller, and. This episode made me really think about how, you know, we do miss the forest for the trees. And I think a part of that is that we have to multitask on occasion. uh, And multitasking really is, it's a killer. It's a productivity killer. It's a motivation killer. It stresses you out. It tires you out. Uh, It never allows you to to really work on, on any one thing. And Gary Keller said something that was short but important. Multitasking is a lie. That's it. That's the quote. Uh, And it is. And I think we need to remember that. I know that for a long time, multitasking is something that uh, was praised, you know, by business gurus and productivity gurus. But now as we actually have some real data and like scientists actually working on productivity, we've realized that multitasking is an absolute lie. And you really need to work on that one thing to take you to the next step at a time. Uh, so don't, don't listen to this episode and think, oh, well, I've got to do this, 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 and this. You can have those longer term goals and maybe it's getting a bookkeeper and a prep center and an account health person, uh, you know, but just focus on the next one big thing that's going to help you knock those larger dominoes over down the road, uh, and, and don't multitask while you do it. So Chris, thanks for hanging out for this episode, man. I appreciate it. I I do have to apologize to you and to everybody listening. I know that there's going to be a couple of, uh, barking dogs on occasion. Uh, unfortunately I couldn't, couldn't help that today. So I apologize. Uh, I'll try to get as much out of, out of this and edit as I can, but, uh, thanks for a good episode, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was fun. It's good to see you again. All right. Thank you guys for listening to the clear the shelf podcast with Chris and Chris. We'll be back again next week with another episode for you guys until then good selling and have a great week. Thanks for listening to clear the shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.